Welcome to another episode of Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. I'm here with Rich Miller, the uh, founder, owner, <laughs> main man for Sports Collectors Daily, something I enjoy daily. Uh, but today we're going to talk about Rich's uh, origin story, how he got in this. Everybody got started at some point and gained experience and uh, and then had a way to find their niche within this great hobby slash industry. So uh, I've got great sponsors, as Rich does. He's going to get a chance to tell me about some of his uh, sponsors and those that he that march alongside him. But my sponsors are Beckett Media, which includes Beckett Trading and Beckett Authentication and other Beckett entities, ComC, COMC.com. Burbank Sports Cards, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, a couple of really good uh, local card shops, Huggins and Scott Auctions, as well as Heritage Auctions, two different but excellent auction houses that specialize in sports but do other things as well. And then Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck, the three uh, biggest card companies. So, Rich, welcome to the show. Looking forward to visiting with you and hearing how you got started in this industry and uh, gained the knowledge and experience to to put you where you are today well thanks for having me on it's a it's a pleasure to, to be here and, and get a chance to chat with you in depth we've uh, shared a few emails but it's uh, great to, to have a little deeper uh, conversation um yeah it's uh you know it's been a, a long trip they say time is a thief and as i you know start to think about how long you know i've been collecting and, and involved in the hobby it's kind of getting a little bit scary um you feel like uh, kind of a kind of a, the old dude in the room you know um, got my first packs. If oh, we can go I'm back this far, I'm in the room. Oh. I'm in the room too, Rich. So you're not the oldest <laughs> guy in this room. But uh, to welcome the, to the to the old dude room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's 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 fun on one hand because you kind of bring that uh, that experience. Uh, perspective. Uh, yeah, I remember when mentality and perspective. Yeah, but uh, but it's also a little bit. Uh, you know, you start talking about some of the dates, and people are like, "Wow, oh, that's that's really a long time ago." I wasn't born then. <laughs> not born. Yeah. So, what's your origin story? How did you get started? Do you you know, I. I Told mine on the podcast that I just, you know, got a penny pack of cards. Yeah, yeah. Seven. What, what's your origin story? You know, I think it's pretty traditional for anybody who grew up, uh, you know, back before the days of, you know, the multiple manufacturers and the shiny cards and stuff. You know, we, we bought cards. I bought cards when I was um, a little tiny guy, I think, the uh, latter part of the 1960s. Uh, I was very young at the time, <laughs> just, just to clarify that. But uh, the 69 sets were really the first ones that I actively collected, but I wasn't very old, didn't have a lot of money, most little kids didn't, so my collection was pretty small. Uh, I remember getting hooked by the look of the 1969 Topps Lou Brock card. Um, the colors of that card, if you dig it out, were, were and still are really spectacular. Um, and, I, you know, it's it, it kind of got me to become a Cardinals fan. I'm not a Cardinals fan anymore, but just seeing the logo, uh, you know, and, and back then you didn't yeah. get a chance to, to see those types of teams up close, you know, maybe they'd be lucky enough to be on the game of the week or something, but um, that just kind of hooked me on cards and baseball, and then I love the the '69 inserts through those four and one football when the football cards came out, um, and then the basketball cards. That winter, I started buying, and of course, they were the, the first uh, the all the tall boys, you know, the tall rectangular cards. And when you're seven years old, those cards just look mammoth, you know, you couldn't even hold them in your hand. So that kind of ignited it. Um, didn't really get serious about collecting as as serious as kids get until uh, a little bit later on, that in '71, '72, and and uh, and then '75 was kind of my biggest year as a young collector. Not just tops, but that was the year that Hostess started putting out that four-year run of sets that they have, right. or five-year run, I guess, 75, 6, 7, 8, 9. Um, and what, then uh, city, RC Cola put games out, too. What part of the country were you in? Were, were, I, I grew up in northeastern Wisconsin. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, my family, both sides of the family were from up there, and uh, moved away from there when I was uh, just out of college and working. But, um, okay. Yeah, that was, was the so still north and east of, of uh, Milwaukee? Well, you can't be Yeah, yeah, about, right? about an hour south of Green Bay was my home. Yeah, my parents okay. had... Uh, Packers season tickets and saw the uh, Lombardi era up close and he, you know, so 
that's kind of my home home area. Yeah. What? Uh, oh, okay. And so, as a kid, you know, you, it sounds like you have kind of the same trajectory of a lot of kids figuring it out at seven or eight, and kind of, you know, going strong at ten, eleven, twelve, and then thirteen, kind of dropping off a little bit. Is that? Yeah, that's similar that is pretty much exactly how it happened. Yeah, I I, uh, I did step away a little bit in high school, you know, and uh, collecting cards. You know, you kind of thought maybe it wasn't cool anymore, but I never really truly stopped. I did, you know, I, I had a group of actually older guys that I um, had kind of helped me and and guys that I knew that uh, you know taught me about some of the older sets and things, and so I got interested in, in some of that. Actually, wound up doing some card shows as a dealer for a little while when I was in high school and college, and and then uh, of course bought lots of cards at flea markets and antique shows when you got a little bit more money to, to spend and. Um, and so that was kind of the, the, how I built the early part of my own collection was, uh, I mean, I wish I would bought a lot more considering, you know, you knew what, what would, if you knew what, only knew what would happen with the, the values and such, but it was still, uh, it was a great way to grow up. I, I'm, you know, I think if you, if you remember back in that era, if you're, if you're from there, you know, somebody is, it, it was from back at that time. It was just such a, an innocent thing, you know, it was basically a lot of guys bought the cards for the bubble gum, you know. And uh, I wasn't one of those guys. I was really more attracted to the cards. But, um, you know, for 10 cents a pack, it was a great way to a while away to time. And uh, whether it was a cold winter uh, afternoon and nothing to do or uh, summertime sitting around in the afternoon and you know, opening up some fresh packs of cards. Were you uh, friends with, I mean, there were some significant uh, uh, dealers and collectors in the, certainly in the Milwaukee area back in those days. I mean, were you, uh, were, were you a, a solitary collector or were, were there any collecting clubs or shows that you went to? Were you? frequented where you met some of these uh i mean you couldn't have been that far from iola perhaps you know yeah yeah stevens yep. point with larry fritch and right a bunch yeah, of it was it, you know stuff like that it was really a collecting hotbed kind of i mean you yeah. had a very strong club in milwaukee um the wisconsin yeah. sports collectors association yeah. um one of the oldest clubs around i think they're still at it um but they used to have shows at the gonzaga hall uh which yeah. was a church church hall and i Actually, it was about a two-hour trip, but uh, as I got older, my dad would drive down with me, and we'd set up a table actually next to Frank Ulop, who was the original oh, the Heartland uh, artist for the Heartland statues. Yeah, yeah, Frank was a great guy, passed away just a, you know, yeah. two years ago, but um, learned all about the Heartland statues sitting next to Frank all those times. And, of course, we had some some of the more well-known dealers would come up from Chicago and the Milwaukee area, and, uh-huh. um, and uh, so I that's a... Got to interact with them. Larry Fritch actually had a table. Well, he didn't come to all the shows, but he had a table just down, you know, it was kind of a small hall, but he was just a couple tables down. He was, he was such a big figure at the time. It was like, you know, didn't want to approach him because he was, he was so, uh, so important. And, and you were just kind of like, well, I, you know, I don't know one tenth of what this guy does. So I don't even know if I want to engage him. Of course, he was a great guy, uh, but it was a little, it was a little really gruff exterior, but a, but a, but a yeah. really good guy. I really enjoyed doing a, a, a tribute, uh, episode to Larry and, and and uh, kind of lumped uh, Jeff in there as well, but uh, yeah, great great collecting family, really, uh, really. I mean, I it certainly put Stevens Point on the hobby map of one of the yeah, you know, yeah. being up to his place was one of the highlights of my uh, uh, hobby experience. But anyway, so you're you're so you're for that that first part of your life, you're up there in in uh, northeastern Wisconsin. Yeah, and and uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time, uh, like I said, going to the Milwaukee uh, shows and. Stuff, yeah. um, but we also had a nice group of collectors, older collectors, um, a guy actually in my little hometown of 2,000 people who kind of got me interested in going to a lot of those events, told me about them, and, and it opens up your your path in collecting, I guess, to a much bigger uh, perspective when you can hang around guys who own 206 cards and Dowdy cards. And for right. a young person like I was at the time, 
it really had a big impact, you know, and, and they were all really nice guys. We, this was before shows kind of became a regular uh, weekend occurrence, you know, in, in a lot of places in the 80s. But we used to get together, this group of uh, friends, older guys, and, and, and we would have trading sessions on a Saturday, and, and we'd go to somebody's house, and everybody would bring all their stuff. And uh, all we would do all afternoon was trade. I don't think any money ever changed hands. It was just, uh, you know, we'd share stories about things we knew that were coming out, and, you know, sometimes guys would get a hold of a big sack of the new regional set, and we would trade those off. It was just a lot of fun. No, I, I just, you know, I don't, uh, I mean, I really want uh, these interviews to be pretty uh, free form. And so I don't, you know, uh, your, your preparation is your life. You know, my preparation is kind of yeah. my life. So, I mean, I think we're two guys that really uh, love the industry. But, you know, as we're talking, I just I thought, I'm going to get my pencil out and start writing down some names. I was just thinking, because I really wasn't sure you were where you're from. But, you know, George Husby, I don't know if you remember him, yeah. Jack Urban, yeah. Bob Keeler, Frank and Steve Pepper, uh, and even Dick Millard. You remember him, Richard? You did very well. Dick was, yeah, Dick was one of the guys. His name the same, but I bought cards and, yeah, you know, did deals with him. Uh, in fact, one of my very first sets I ever bought back in the early, uh, the early seventies or early mid seventies. I still, I still have a box that has his return address on it. (laughs) 800 count box, but nice guy. I mean, all those guys were really, really nice guys. They were. Dick was the guy who hosted us, I think, uh, a few times with our little collector club. Yeah. yeah, So, so anyway, uh, so that's, but that's you're, you're are you still college age at this point or you know because let's let's get it closer to the present and we'll we'll have to come back for another episode for uh for the sports collectors daily thing because i think that's that's fascinating to me what you're doing there but you know bring me up to that point uh in our readers so we can see uh you know how that uh how your adult collecting or what your adult interest was in this industry or any yeah, other, I, I, you know things you did because it sounds like you have a pretty interesting background in journalism or or radio or pr or something yeah i uh in 1984 i graduated from college and uh got a job doing play-by-play in the continental basketball association there was a team right. in wisconsin at the time where i went to college and so traveled all over the country uh at the time there were teams in from puerto rico to wyoming <laughs> albuquerque new mexico so i saw a lot of the country wow. and yeah. and uh when, I, when we had our road trips and then uh did that for a short period of time and then after the first year, they, I went on to, to get into television, and I did uh, local television uh, sports for over 25 years. Uh, different places started out up in a small market in Marquette, Michigan, and actually did work in Milwaukee for a time, went out to the West Coast, and lived in uh, Sacramento, California for uh, several years, and then came back to the Midwest, and my wife and I have settled here in Evansville, Indiana, for about uh, 22 years now, I guess it is. So, um, and kind of along the way, you know, a lot of memories of, of collecting. I never really gave it up. There were times when you kind of had to step away because of the career, and um, and things like that. But I, you know, I remember going to uh, some of the major events like that uh, famous national convention in Anaheim, California back in the early 90s when the uh, fire marshal was called out and the craziness there. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so, did a lot of, a lot of, you know, just going to various shows and wherever I was and, and uh, stayed active that way um, just as a collector. Uh, didn't but really like as a hobby. Professionally like a hobby. Hobby. So you, were you selling yeah. extra stuff or were you, were you uh, just occasionally like, or? Yeah, no, never really. I wasn't an autograph hound or anything like that. Um, like everybody else, I would occasionally, you know, get duplicate items and I'd sell them through the hobby publications or yeah. when eBay came along. I was one of the first uh, practitioners of eBay back in 95. I still remember the first time somebody told me about that. So, um, jumped on early. There were a lot of great things that sold for really inexpensive prices on eBay back in the, in the yeah. 94, 95, 96 era. So, um, but uh, yeah, nothing really professionally, just kind of kept collecting. And then, um, as we got closer to, but it, but you're not saying it was like a side gig of a business. It no, was a, a hobby no. on the side right, that you kind right. of maintained. 
yeah, it was just, you know, I had fun doing some, uh, you know, you buy a collection and you have some things to sell, but I wasn't really an active viewer. I, I think between, uh, 1985 and, and, you know, the time that I started the website, I, I think maybe I, I set up as a dealer maybe six or seven times and that was about it. Did you have a, a personal collection? Were there kind of a things that you, you have a want list? Were you collecting? Oh, yeah. A, a player, a favorite player or something or what, I, what was the collecting focus that you had at that time? Yeah, for, it's never really changed for me. I've kind of always been a collector of vintage cards. That's kind of been the main part of my collection and, um, just filling out Recess sets, or, you know, yeah, sets. taking, take, yeah, taking, taking the want list to a show or, or taking it online and, and filling in uh, cards. And now I'm going back and trying to fill in with some higher grade cards, but I'm working on mostly sets from the fifties and sixties and seventies along the way. And, and then, you know, I have other things too. I have some vintage world series programs and, um, different, uh, one of the things I like is, are the old display boxes, you know, where the gum packs came in and then from the 50s and 60s and 70s and I think quite a few of those um, and picked up several of those along the way. Um, they're kind of getting to be a little bit it's more expensive than they used to be now, but um, they're kind of neat and, and very limited. Uh, not a lot of people save them, so that was kind of one of the things that I liked. Uh, did you, were you at the Evansville uh, Kentucky game? There I was, was not. I did watch it. I did watch it, but I, I didn't. But they're calling that yeah. one of the biggest upsets in college basketball. History. I'm not so sure about that, but but it, yeah. it was a, a great day for Evansville uh, basketball, which actually has had a had other other high points. I mean, that's it's, that's used to be a strong program, but yeah, uh, this city really has gone take out, take out the Wildcats. This city has really gone crazy for uh, over that game, and it's uh, it's great to see. They've had a lot of you know really rough years, and it's yeah. a proud program. I mean, they they had a. Yeah. Great winning tradition back in, uh, you know, the fifties and sixties and, yep. and uh, as a division two power and then some, some pretty good moments as a division one uh, team after, of course, the tragic plane crash in 1977. But, um, just a terrific hire to bring Walter McCarty in as the head coach and, uh, you know, uh, big man, especially you, you can, why wouldn't you want to come play for a guy like that? What are you bivocational now? I mean, are you, uh, doing, uh, you still doing any of the, uh, any of your broadcast stuff? Or are you mainly doing your, uh, what, what, what's your, what's your main thing right now? Right now, this is as close as I get to broadcasting what we do. Right here. Well, cool. <laughs> After, uh, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> You're bringing me back I, I into just, the Yeah, but but uh, yeah. I mean, I think people don't realize that even in the broadcasting, uh, whether it's radio, TV, whatever, there's still uh, kind of the written word. <laughs> You've got to kind of have some sense of what to say, whether it's written down. You have to have a to be, to be able to express yourself, and and obviously you can, but. Uh, <laughs> I just, when I was contemplating doing this, and I guess we need to stop because we're, we're out of time, but when I was contemplating doing this, I thought about blogging versus podcasting. And uh, you're not doing blogging per se, but you, I, I love the format you have. So we'll just, we just need to stop here, Rich, and then let, let's come back at another time and talk about Sports uh, Collectors Daily because I think you're doing uh, great work with that. But I've enjoyed hearing your origin story as well. So <laughs> thanks, Rich. Thanks, listeners. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with another uh, episode. In the meantime, uh, uh, again, you might check out Sports Collectors Daily and it'll get its own uh, episode uh, in, in the future. So thanks again, Rich. Thanks, listeners. See you tomorrow.